0: Testing one, two, three, one, two, three, testing. I'm Ben McAdams, and I represent Utah's fourth congressional district. Before I was elected last November, I was the mayor of Salt Lake County. It's my belief that Washington might work better if we thought about governing the country the way mayors approach leading their communities. In this podcast, I'm hoping to show you what being a member of Congress is really like, and whether it's possible to run this country the way we run our local governments. Welcome to Washington. This week I'm in Utah uh, for our district work period, and I'm at Intermountain Healthcare uh, looking at some of the work that they're doing to improve quality of healthcare and uh, and reduce costs and, and, and expand access to more and more people. Intermountain Healthcare and Dr. Mark Harrison, who I'm with right now, have are, are national, really global leaders in uh, in. Innovations in healthcare and and really fixing the model of healthcare. So I wanted to ask Dr. Harrison to talk a little bit about. um, We just did a press conference and one of the comments that I thought was insightful is you said uh, you know systems respond to the incentives of the system and we have an American healthcare system that is really volume driven. So. uh, services provided rather than outcomes uh, is somebody healthier or did they get more treatment and and those aren't always the same thing so i'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and then some of the stuff that you're doing here at intermountain Healthcare. so dr mark harrison
1: thanks for the opportunity uh you know what i always say is every system is per- perfectly designed to get the results it gets and unfortunately american healthcare right now is aligned around driving volume When we know that the right thing to do is to do as little for people as possible, it is necessary to keep them well. So at Intermountain Healthcare, we've really pivoted, and we're in a value-driven mode now, where we think constantly about what can we do to keep a person from needing intense services. Eventually, everyone gets sick, and when that happens, we're more than happy to take care of their problems from the most simple to the most complicated, but ideally, we keep them at home and well through preventative care.
0: So tell us about some of the things you're doing. We just, we just saw one of your telemedicine uh, programs. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: So one of the things we know is that um, keeping people in the least expensive, least restrictive environment possible, as close to their family and their communities, is really a good thing. Telehealth allows us to project our subspecialty as well as our primary care capabilities over very long, infinitely long distances and to keep people in their home communities for things like an infectious disease referral or um, an evaluation in an emergency department for a stroke or in the case of a newborn who's distressed in a small local hospital instead of having a helicopter automatically lift off with that baby and taking them to a big referral center. Each time we do that, it keeps families intact, keeps rural hospitals healthy, and it decreases cost for those families. So one of the things that impresses
0: me, you always talk about doing the right thing and providing high-quality services and the best services for the patient. Um, the flip side to that is inefficient services and, and less-than-high-quality health care is also really expensive, right? So you, you've reduced, you said, 84 newborns who weren't transported last year, I can only imagine that's a huge cost driver. And yet what you've been able to do is keep kids and babies closer to home. So parents aren't leaving other children at home in the care of a neighbor or something. They're able to keep the family unit together and supporting each other and and saving dollars in the process. Maybe a secondary outcome, not even a primary driver, but a secondary outcome is it's a less expensive system, right?
1: Yeah. Um... So exactly. Given that we're primarily oriented towards value at this point, sometimes when we do those right things, it also saves money. But in general, we think that in the long run, doing the right thing ends up being a good business decision. And we're willing to let the system catch up with us doing the right thing, even if we lose some money in the short run. Um, I think, you know, as as a physician myself, I couldn't live with myself if if we ended up doing the wrong thing clinically because it was the right thing financially. And, you know, as a not-for-profit, as long as we are very careful with our other resources, we can make these very long-term investments in changing the model of healthcare care for us, but hopefully eventually for the U.S. as a whole, so that in the end we ended up with a system that's aligned towards value, not one that's aligned towards volume. So and I want to
0: reemphasize that, that you're, you're not looking to save dollars. What you're doing is to looking to deliver the highest quality care, and that doing that is oftentimes the, the smartest thing. So, example, preventative care. It's, it is, the system that we have right now does not reward preventative care. But your individual is going to be healthier if they prevent their illness and take measures to prevent rather than wait until it becomes catastrophic and,
1: and expensive. Absolutely. And um, you know, this actually falls into Intermountain's philosophy around health insurance coverage. I'm not a very political person, as you know, but I do believe as a physician, people are better covered than uncovered. Um, When they're covered, that means that they can get health maintenance and that we can keep their diabetes under control. We can keep their heart failure under control. We can keep their asthma under control. You You can do a lot of preventative care for the cost of one emergency department visit. So, again, it's doing the right thing clinically almost and en- always ends up being the right decision, both socially and economically.
0: So so one more thing, and let me see if I can unpack this, because I think that uh, it, it strikes me that maybe we haven't explained to the listener who's not in, in health care or right. public service. But the, what's innovative about the Intermountain model and, and part of the work that you're doing and what makes it nationally and, and globally of interest is – a traditional model, you maybe have the health insurance company that has certain incentives, and and then you have the health care provider, and they're separate, complete entities, and they have different incentives. So uh, maybe a, a traditional, not Intermountain. But maybe tra- even
1: competitive incentives. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, right? So a health insurance company may, be, may want to uh, collect as much insurance premiums and provide as little as health care as possible, right? That's right. I, I mean, if they weren't, they, I'm sure that they're... They also want to do so right. So we,
1: um, particularly in the 40% of our business where we are prepaid to keep a person well. Okay, so explain that a little
0: bit. So you have the 40% where you're prepaid. So you have, this is where you get to the value-based care That's right. rather than the volume-based reimbursement.
1: Right, um, and we still do, you know, about half of our business is traditional fee-for-service. But it's really interesting, the ethos around only doing what is absolutely necessary for a patient that we learn from this value-based care bleeds over into our other, more traditional care. It's highly efficient also. So it's really, it, it feels good when you, you know you're making the right decision socially, economically, and most importantly, clinically, keeping people well. And you know one of the things I'm not worried about is hospitals aren't gonna go out of business, particularly big urban hospitals. The question is, is the person in that hospital, does they, re- do they really need to be there or we can take care of them at home or in a clinic somewhere? And um, I, every time we can do that, it, feel, it feels really good to me.
0: So your incentive is, uh, with, uh, is not to provide quantity of services and repeat services, but to do what it takes to keep somebody healthy and le- needing less health care. Because a value-based system, if they, you know, it's from, for, as a consumer, it's going to be the same. If I'm paying insurance and I can get reimbursed every time I go to the hospital, that's one thing. But if an insurance plan where the hospital and the insurance company's incentives are aligned, and I never need to go to the hospital... Perfect. Right, it's, then it's great. good for me, but it's also good for the insurer, right. and it's good for the hospital.
1: And I'll add one more layer to that, and this is foreshadowing for some work that we're about to unveil. It's all about affordability also. So we really as a society need to begin to look at what percentage of our population can actually afford the health care we deliver. And Intermountain's collecting that information right now, and we're going to actually push to make that transparent across the United States. And that's something that you can do in your role in Washington is you can demand to understand um, are people able to afford the health care that they're getting? Uh, because if they can't afford it, it doesn't do any good because they're not going to get it. Right. Dr. Mark Harrison, thank you. Thanks. And now uh, we just finished
0: with Dr. Mark Harrison. Now I'm talking with Representative Donna Shalala, who is an incredible leader uh, and uh, in the space of health care but also in education, uh, un- president of the University of Miami and... Uh, uh, Wisconsin, Madison in Wisconsin, um, but also she was the Secretary of Health and Human Services from 1993 for, through 2000, right? So Representative Shalelo is here, and we were uh, together, She's one of my colleagues. She came into Congress with me in 2018. It's a pleasure to serve alongside her. And we were here at Inter- Intermountain Healthcare to see what Washington can learn from some of the innovations that are happening here in Utah. So we were talking in this press conference about the difference between value-based care or fee-for-services. Intermountain really is a pioneer in value-based care, which leads to innovations like what we saw was the telemedicine and, and, and reaching into rural communities through telemedicine that uh, helps people stay in their communities closer to their support network and their families. Uh, they receive higher quality care, and it's uh, costs the system less. So tell me some of your observations.
2: Well, one of the observations about telemedicine is it keeps health care in rural areas. We will not have small towns in rural areas unless we have health care out there. So telemedicine gives us an opportunity, and the opportunity for health care providers to get the backup the experience of specialists and we saw it in neonatal, which is very important for families, uh, in which the child can actually stay in the community and their provider, their physician, um, can take care of that child with a little help from the docs at uh, Intermountain. Intermountain is the model for the future of healthcare and that's why I wanted to come out here and take a look and talk to the specialists here, as well as the leadership. Mark Harrison is considered one of the top leaders, probably the top leader in um, health care management in this country. And so it was a pleasure to be out here with Representative McAdams and um, to see what's going on in Utah. I've always believed um, that the states are the engines of innovation. That's where we learn. Frankly, that's where we got Social Security and Medicare. It was those experiments that led to national legislation. Um, I want to be careful about national legislation. The question is, should we free up and be more flexible uh, so places like Intermountain can thrive, or is there a role for the federal government? And I think that uh, you and I will struggle over that in the next few years, but our job will be to make our colleagues cautious as opposed to aggressive, um, because they need to learn too from the healthcare systems that are being transformed in their communities.
0: So, tell me your thoughts about one of the things that Intermountain is known for is value-based care uh, versus fee-for-service. Give me your observations on, on what that does to a healthcare system. Is it is it something we should be looking at? Um, it may not work in every instance, but is this something we should be looking at? Um, Dr. Harrison made the comment that uh, the system is is. Perfect is delivering exactly what we ask it to, right? Which is not necessarily healthier people, it's uh, more frequency of of healthcare services.
2: Yeah, they've been able to put together value based care. Very few, uh, lots of places have experimented with it, have tried it. Very few places, it seems to me, have pulled it off. Only the integrated health care plans where
0: you have the, the health insurance integrated with the health care so they're not working across purposes but maybe aligned. And they don't have to worry about volume right
2: because they're just trying to produce high quality value-based care, great outcomes within their own system but the most important thing is they they control all the pieces. So much of the healthcare system is fragmented. And no one controls all the pieces. So the question is, can you only do this as, at a large scale? Or are there ways of getting good outcomes uh, in more moderate places? I don't know the answer to that. But we have to start at Intermountain in terms of learning how they do it. Because what we're really talking about is cultural change in healthcare.
0: Representative Shalala, thank you so much for for the time and for being on our podcast. It's a pleasure serving alongside of you and, uh, and showing you some of what's going on here in Utah.
2: Thank you very much. It's very exciting what's going on in Utah.
0: I want to thank you for listening to Washington. What I'd really love to hear is from you. To follow this journey, subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the KSL Radio app, and anywhere you find interesting podcasts. To be part of this experiment in making the world's most powerful city responsive to citizens, please email me at tips at loudmouthproject.com. We'd like to thank the village that made this podcast possible. Andreas Martin, Danny Akana, Allison Hayrent, and Congressman Ben McAdams. Washington is a production of The Loudmouth Project.